0: Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter number 3. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 38, Luke chapter number 3. Over the last few weeks, we've been in the gospel of Luke, and we'll sort of be continuing on in chapter 3. Chapter 3 starts with John the Baptist's ministry, and we won't look at that completely or in great detail. We'll be going down to verse number 21, but we will reference it as we go. But the overlying theme, or um, the overlying title, I guess you would, of this message is that Jesus Christ identified with us, Jesus Christ identified with us. So let's look at Luke chapter 3, we'll look at verses 21 through 38. It says in verse 21, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Uh, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself began his ministry about thirty years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. I'm going to stop there I'm going to skip down to the bottom. And if anybody has a problem with that, you can come up here and read all these names. (laughs) If you look down to uh, verse number 36, of course we see a genealogy inserted here. And this isn't the first time we've come across a genealogy. Uh, Most of these names haven't topped uh, the list of 100 popular baby names in probably quite a while. But if you look down to verse number 36, it says, The son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxid, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mehalil, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So first of all, we see that Jesus Christ identified with John's message. And I think we see that in his baptism. Um, Both identifying with John's message and identifying with uh, the Israelites, with Israel. I think we see both of these in his baptism. See, To be baptized makes a statement about one's identity, their loyalty, and their allegiance. And we see that theme throughout Scripture. Um, The Bible talks about the Israelites who were baptized with Moses in the Red Sea. Um, We see John's baptism here is is symbolizing something. And so for Jesus to come and to be baptized, uh, he's identifying with John's message. What was John's message? Uh, John's message was, he says, who hath hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Uh, Part of John's message was, hey, there's judgment coming. Because of sin. Uh, He called him a a brood of vipers. Uh, If you look at the previous verses here in chapter number three, uh, he said, behold the Lamb of God, referring to Christ, he said, who takes away the sins of the world. And so John is preaching this message, and Jesus identifies with that message. Yes, that is a true message. This is a true testimony. Uh, But he also identifies with the Israelite people. Uh, It says in verse number 21, when all the people came to be baptized, Jesus came to be baptized as well. The Israelite people, they were that son to God who, who couldn't, couldn't cut the mustard, so to speak. Uh, They didn't like, they didn't measure up. Uh, They were a terrible son to God. If you look through the Old Testament, you see time after time them not fulfilling their responsibility, them not meeting God and and fulfilling their promise. Uh, But they failed. They failed. And by the way, we would have fared no better. And we fare no better when we look at the law of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. Uh, It's easy to point the finger at the Israelites and say, boy, you just, every time you turn around, you're doing the wrong thing and you're, you're failing. You're, you're following idolatry and, and not following God. You and I, given the chance, which we have been given the chance, uh, we don't, we don't fare any better than that. But he identified with Israel and he is the one who fulfills the promise that Israel could not fulfill. He was the son to the father that Israel couldn't be. Uh, he was the, the true and better Israel, the perfect son to the father. And so we see with his baptism, he's identifying with John's message validating it. He's identifying with the Israelite people, but here's where it hits home. Here's where it hits home, because starting in verse number 23, we see a genealogy, which is easy to want to skip over, and we have sort of skipped over reading each and every one of the names, but this genealogy includes us. This is our part in the story. This is our part in the story. Uh, If you look at Matthew, you don't have to look there for sake of time, but Matthew also gives a genealogy of Christ, uh, but he only goes as far back as Abraham. Luke, I think for a different reason than Matthew had, he goes all the way back to Adam. That includes all of us. Jesus identifies with you. He became a human. Uh, In fact, all of us could be traced back to verse number 36, Noah. Did you think about that for a minute? Every person in here is a descendant of Noah. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, The the human race, all at this point, all descendants of Noah, but every person who's ever lived can trace their ancestry back to Adam, that first man, that first person, Uh, that one who chose sin, who plunged the human race into sin, and we've all followed in the footsteps of our father, haven't we? Every last one of us. Amen. Jesus, God incarnate, God became a human. He identified with you and I. I remember a person in my church in Michigan, uh, we talk about genealogies, talking about ancestry, and she told me about a website. She says, hey, you can search your ancestry on this website. And it's kind of interesting. I've talked to people who know something about their genealogy, their, their most recent uh, predecessors, if you will, and uh, I remember telling my dad about this website and he said, son, be careful. You may not like what you find. <laughs> he says, don't, don't do too much digging. You may not like what you see. Uh, you know, I think the temptation when we look at our our ancestors and perhaps even when we look at this list, maybe when we're teaching a class, is to kind of see more than, more than what's really there. Uh, if you look down through this list, you'll see David. Well, he was a king man after God's own heart. Uh, You'll see in there Abraham, the friend of God. Uh, You'll see a a slew of different people, and it's it's easy to look at these people as the example and sort of look at a gilded, a thinly gold-covered view of these people. But the truth of the matter is, what does this list have in common with our ancestry? It's a list of sinners. Instead of looking at this list and, and being quick to see um uh, you know Boaz as 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 a, a, a as his relationship with Ruth and redeeming her or uh or taking her in instead of seeing David as a man after God's own heart a great king and Noah the man who was upright and perfect in his generation instead of seeing Enoch a man who walked with God and who was not instead of looking and seeing Adam who walked with God in the cool of the day how about we see the truth of this lineage that being true but look at more importantly a murderer an adulterer, idolaters, liars, thieves, did I mention murderers? That's, that's our ancestry. Um, that's what the King of kings and Lord of lords came to this earth and had his name written into that genealogy. That's, that's the miraculous thing about the Bible, is that God would come and identify with you and with me. A sinful people. A sinful people. So my dad said, be careful for what you find. In case you don't know something about your genealogy, sometimes our Bibles, in fact, my Bible has this in the front of it. It has a place to put a family tree. And um, we're going to be able to fill our family tree out this morning. Okay, you can get your pen out and write it in there. You write the first blank, adulterer, fornicator, idolater, murderer, thief, liar. That's all there is. Nothing that we could put out and say, wow, look at my heritage. We're part of this sinful race, and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, identified with us. He identified with us. He who knew no sin, identified with all by becoming a human, adding his holy name to the genealogy of mankind. You know, with a brief application before we move on, It might do us well to think of this when we think of, well, I don't want to be around those people because, you know, they kind of hurt my reputation if I associate with that group. Um, If I associate with those people, they're kind of the wrong crowd. I got news for you this morning. You are the wrong crowd. You are the wrong crowd. And the Holy Son of God identified with the wrong crowd. And did he suffer because of it? He absolutely did. He was shamed. He was rejected. They called him a wine-bibber. He, he ate with sinners. Hey, Him becoming a human was not a step up for him. But yet he was willing to come to you and I and minister to us. And we'll get onto that here and, and as we go on. But the truth is, we are the wrong crowd. Yet Jesus Christ, the Son of God, identified with us anyway. He identified with us anyway. He loved us. So point number one, Christ identified with us. Point number two, and this is, this is important. How can we identify with him? Now, we just celebrated the Christmas season where we know that God incarnate in the form of a little baby born in a manger identify with the human race. It's a wonderful thing. But the question is, how can we identify with him? How can we be a part of his genealogy? How can we be a part of his new family? Because the one we're in, (laughs) it's not good. It's not good. It ends in a very bad place. How do we get his new genealogy? What, what, What are, I'm sorry, we are in the sinful genealogy of mankind. The answer is this. He must put us into his new genealogy. The Bible describes it as the new birth. It's a miraculous thing. Uh, John talked about it here. Look at verse number uh, 15. Verse number 15 of chapter 3. Look back just a few verses. Verse number 15. It says, Now as people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answers saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. He says, listen, this is just water. Okay, this, this is, this is symbolic here. I'm baptized, listen, I'm not the Messiah. I baptize, I'm just baptizing you with water. But one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's talking about the new birth. He's talking about when God puts mankind into his family, miraculously. Hey, by his power, by his righteousness, by his holiness, he miraculously gives us the new birth, transforms us, makes us his child. That's how we can identify with him. But how is this possible? How is this possible? How is it that sinful man can be put into a holy, righteous family? How can a just God allow sinful man to be placed into his family? Look what it says in verse number, I think it's verse number 16. Uh, No, verse number 17. It says his winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. See, the truth is, sin must be punished. And a just and righteous and holy God could not be such unless sin is accounted for. And so how can he miraculously put you and I into his family? Sin must be punished. God's justice must be satisfied. And he did this by taking on flesh, living a perfect life, and taking the wrath that you and I deserved. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Not suggesting for a moment that he ever sinned himself, but he took upon him the sin of the world. And the shame that you and I deserved, he bore. And the rejection that you and I should have received from God, he took that rejection. He took our hell for us. That's why it's possible. That's why it's possible for God to be both loving and merciful, but yet just and holy and righteous. It's when the judge stands and says, you're guilty. You're guilty. hits the gavel, but then he leaves the bench and pays the entire penalty in full for you. That's what God has done. That's what he's done. That's what makes it possible for us to identify with Christ. That's why we who are tares can be transformed into wheat and put in his barn at the judgment day and escape unquenchable fire. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, sometimes I think we can get it all backward. (laughs) Perhaps we look at our own personal genealogy or we can look at this list right here almost as though, wow, you know, Christ came out of the lineage of David. He was of royal descent. As though that was some great thing for him. It was a bunch of sinners. He came among us, identified with us, identified with you, so that it would be possible for you and I to identify with that new family. It's it's the beautiful part of the story, his story, history, is that Christ identified with us. He became a human so you and I could identify with him. Old-time preachers would say, turn or burn. I have to think that perhaps they got it from this passage. Hit his winnowing fan in his hand, throwing up that, that wheat and the chaff, letting the wind blow the chaff away. The chaff burned, the wheat stored in the barn. Listen, folks, there's a judgment day coming. There's a judgment day coming where he will separate the tares from the wheat. And the only hope that you and I have to be in the barn, so to speak, is that the blood of Christ applied to our life. That we repent and believe. Repent and believe the gospel that we, sinful man, is in desperate need of a Savior. And that if we're willing to repent and believe, that he will do a transforming work and put us into his family. That's the gospel. Point number three. Point number three, what does it mean to be in the family? What does it mean to be in this new family? Here's what it means to be in the old family. Death, pain, destruction, and ultimately face the wrath of God at the end of our life. (laughs) That's what it means to be in the old family. And praise God, I'm not in that family anymore. I'm in a new family. And so in addition to escaping the wrath to come, what does it mean to be in this new family? As if that wasn't enough. If all he ever did was save us from hell, praise God. Praise God. I don't get what I deserve. I don't get what I deserve. But what does it mean to be in that family? If you look back at verse number 21, verse number 21, it says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, notice this, while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. <clears throat> I've looked over this several times, and and you think, well, it was Jesus. He prayed, the heaven was opened. Uh, you read the book of John that he says, Listen, I pray the Father, and he always hears me. He always hears me. When Jesus prayed, God heard his prayer. Perfect communion with the Father. Um, it says the Spirit descended upon him. God looked down and said, that's my son. I'm well pleased with him. See, for those of us who are in the family of God, those of us who have been taken out of the sinful genealogy, placed into this new family, shielded from the wrath to come because of Jesus Christ, we have access to God through prayer. Hey, when you pray, God hears your prayer because of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? When we pray, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of heaven, the creator of all, listens to your prayers. We have access to God because of Jesus Christ. Hey, the status that we have as his son, John tells us in chapter 1, has given us power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. As status of as God's son, when we pray, like Christ, God hears us. God hears us. Hey, the next time you pray and you wonder, is God even listening? Yes, he is. He's listening. God hears your prayer. And it's because of our mediator, our high priest, Jesus Christ, has made this possible. Not only that, but it says, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form. See, when Jesus left this earth, he did not leave us alone. But he, as he promised, sent the Comforter. The Holy Spirit God in you, indwelling the believer, sealing us unto the day of redemption, leading us, guiding us into all truth. Hey, believer, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, you have access to God in prayer because of Jesus Christ. You have his Holy Spirit indwelling us as believers. And then look lastly, it says, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. You know, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you and me for how we really are. He doesn't look at you and say, oh, there's that liar, that thief, that prideful person, that, that idolater, that selfish. He, he doesn't see that. He says, oh, there's my son, and that, that's my daughter. I am well pleased with them. And the reason he can look and see and say that is because he sees the righteousness of Christ. And that's the only reason. It's the only reason that one day when we stand before God, he'll be able to look at you and me, those of us who have repented, those of us who have believed, and say, that's my child. I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God identified with sinful humanity. He took on flesh. He left the splendors of heaven, the glory that he rightfully deserved, and he walked with men. He was of like passions like you and I, yet without sin. Hey, he was the son to to the father that Israel could never be. And you and I placed in the same situation of all of the Israelites would have fared no better. He made it possible for us by his power, his righteousness, his holiness to be placed into his holy family. Only after satisfying the justice of God by being the sacrifice for the whole world. He suffered open shame, rejection of God, and he bore the wrath that we deserve. Why? So we didn't have to. So we didn't have to. Hey, are you here this morning and somehow you're clinging to your genealogy, your own record, taking some pride in it? I did search my genealogy. It wasn't good. And I didn't have to go very far to find it not very good. But you can trace, you can trace it all the way back to Adam. It's the same story. Hey, let me, let me encourage you to repent of that. Realize that you are in a sinful helpless state, in desperate need of that baby born in a manger. More importantly, he who hung on the cross, suffered shame, rebuke, wrath of God, was risen the third day, you and I. If you are a believer this morning, we need to be reminded of the gospel. Hey, hey, we need to be reminded of repent and believe. That, that's that's part of being in the new family. Repent and believe. Uh, that's part of our sanctification, <laughs> repent and believe. Uh, perhaps we're thinking, well, I'm going to stay away from those people because I don't want to tarnish my reputation. Too late. You've already tarnished your reputation. Okay, It's tarnished. You are part of the wrong crowd. Are we trying to re- reach out and help people? Are we willing to have a meal with somebody of, of poor repute, so to speak? Because that's exactly what Christ did for us. And then let's think about what it means to be in the family. Access to God in prayer. Hey, when you pray, God hears you. And it's not because you were good this week. He hears you in spite of your sin because of Christ. You have his Holy Spirit to lead and guide. Are we reading this word? Are we in the word? Allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, lead us into all truth. Sanctify us by thy word, the Bible says. Thy word is truth. And then one day we can stand before God. And, and by, and you know, you think what the Bible says, well done now, good and faithful servant. The words we hear from, Christ, from God at, at, at our meeting with him, we're going to hear Christ's record read, not ours. You know, sometimes I think it's easy to think, well, I know God saved me, but boy, he got a good deal. <laughs> or perhaps, well, I have to repent of my sin, but, but not these good things. We have to repent of everything. Because even our righteousness is a filthy rag. It's all tarnished. So we brought nothing to the table. He did everything. He did everything. Let's pray, shall we?